0: Welcome to CCC Talks, empowering IT and business professionals in their digital transformation journey. Find all the latest tips, tricks, and strategies at our blog and resource center at cloudcredential.org. And now
1: our host, CCC Managing Director, Mark O'Loughlin. Hello, and welcome to another edition of CCC Talks with Mark O'Loughlin and the Cloud Credential Council. Now, today we are joined by Raven Solomon, who is a professional diversity, equity, and inclusion speaker, author researcher and strategist and raven you're also recognized as a thought leader in the early talent development space having founded the center for next generational leadership and professional development and if that's not enough you're also author of a book on leadership for young professionals i love the title leading your parents 25 Mm -hmm. rules to effective multi-generational leadership for Millennials and Gen Z. We're gonna get into that a little bit later. Well, Raven, thank you for joining us on CCC Talks. And then tell us a little bit more about what you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. I'm super excited about this conversation. As you mentioned, I do a number of things, uh, but most of my time is spent really helping organizations prepare for the future through diversity, equity, and inclusion, so helping them really understand the generational business case for doing mm-hmm. this crucial work yeah. and helping them begin doing that work. So I work a lot with leaders specifically around inclusive leadership and yeah. also helping them integrate inclusion throughout their organization. So I spend most of my time in that space. As you mentioned I did found the center uh, we call it for short, uh, but ultimately that organization really specializes mm-hmm. in developing the future talent of the workforce. And so we yeah. really focus on developing soft skills in millennials yeah. and Generation Z, because we know that you know this digital age, this technological world has really led to us not depending so much on, on our soft skills, quote unquote, or people skills. And yeah. so that's really led to an underdevelopment of those skills within those two generations. And so I founded yeah. the center specifically to help close that gap. And so uh, I found myself in this space just by <laughs> way of, of you know, my career. I started with this organization yeah. specifically in the consumer packaged goods space. I went into a managerial training program right out of college, ran a chip route for a little while, about a year, and then was handed my first team of 16 men who were old enough to be my parents. And so that's the, hence the title of the book. Uh, I had to figure out as a young leader, as a millennial, how do I gain their respect? How do I earn their trust? How do I get them to to truly see me as a capable leader? And so having done that, cracked the code on that, after I left that organization and really wanted to author some sort of book that would add value and contribute to the world that wasn't out there, I started to write about my experience within that organization and, and what I learned along the way to help young leaders, in essence, do the same thing, to lead their parents inside of the workplace.
1: So you have the best job ever. (laughs) 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 You didn't go looking for it. It found you, and you've developed that. I think that's fascinating, and that's part of the story why we wanted to talk to you today. Um, At the CCC, you know, we're helping organizations prepare for the future with our digital portfolios um and we we don't look too much on the technical side because that's that's by vendors but we look more on the the business side managerial side but then there's also this side the soft skill side and then what really interested me was um i saw you talk about this four to five generations in the workplace at any one time potentially and I'll, i'll talk to you about that in a moment but um It goes back to what you were saying about your book, and you're now this young person having to lead these older people. Mm -hmm. And you know, they have a different view in the workplace of you, yeah. And oh, some you know, someone like you in your position is going to have to spend many years earning their trust or whatever that is, but you don't have that anymore, you don't go up to the ranks. It's not seniority based on years of service and all this kind of stuff. So we've totally changed in the workplace, and I think that that's so relevant. I guess that's what what I wanted to talk to you today about. You mentioned people, diversity, and inclusion,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I think the you know and the effect of modernizing today with technology and digital services yeah. on top of all the other challenges we have. <laughs> And you did mention that for the first time, or I've heard you mentioned that there can be about four to five generations in an organization, similar to you, you know, you're one generation, these older folks are another generation, and everything in between. But to get us started, how should in that case leaders create that empathy and awareness? Um, how did you start with that maybe? That's the that's where we should start.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. And the way that I started and I talk about this in my book, kind of probably the first chapter or at least the first section is all about understanding generational difference. I think that's really the first step. We've got to understand the differences that exist amongst us and why those differences exist, because the context is is critical. I mean, if you Mm. just think about it, which oftentimes we don't. We just, you know, (laughs) encounter the difference and it creates the frustration and we feel validated in our frustration and and the way that we view other people. But if we just sit back and and consider the context within which they grew up, the things that they had access to or didn't have access to, what was norm? in their kind of coming of age or even coming into the workforce versus what's norm for us. What value systems did they grow up with and and were embedded within their character versus what's now being embedded in ours? And so if we have those moments of intentional awareness created by an organization to really give us this learning, this education, this understanding around what generations are, how they come to be and why the differences exist amongst us. I think that's the first step. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of organizations are indeed making that investment by way of folks like me, right? To provide that training and that awareness Mm -hmm. around why these differences exist. So I think starting with the understanding is critical. Uh, and then I think as a leader, it's important to really make sure that you're leveraging the generational differences that exist in your organization. Yes, so yes. it's one thing for them to exist. That's diversity. But it's a completely different thing for them to actually be leveraged and utilized and engaged right, to generate organizational outcomes. That's inclusion. And so it's really about being intentional and in yes. creating diverse teams. In this case, we're speaking generationally, but creating those teams and ensuring that we're actually leveraging those differences, right? So if you think about a strength of a baby boomer, oftentimes those strengths counter the opportunity areas of a Gen Z or a millennial. Well, my job as a leader is to figure out how I take, I won't say take advantage, but how I maximize and optimize those strengths and opportunities, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I I know um there's no generation that's better than the other generation. There's no generation that's right or wrong. Um, you know, you might say an older generation might have more experience and be able to take risks with a broader because they've just experienced more. Yeah. But that's that you don't need that in every situation. But then also you don't need the risk take of that experience in every mm-hmm. situation either. So that's right. There's a lot to give from everybody. And I think the mindset is to understand, you said it there, where are people's strengths? Where are the opportunities? Where can they they, they give that? Yeah. It comes back to for the first time ever, we have a huge number of generations, the, the four to five generations in an organization mm-hmm. that are different.
0: Yeah.
1: If you go back 150 years ago, they weren't so big, they weren't as different because technology didn't change as much. The world didn't change as much. Change was slow. It did happen, mm-hmm. but it came around in hundreds of years rather than tens of years, which we're seeing now. Which is that's been- exactly oh. right.
0: Yeah, I completely
1: I can, agree. Yeah, in an organization, I say, who's interested in you know reaching out to Raven and saying, Raven, we need some help on this. Is that generally the HR department, mm. or I'd be surprised now if it's elsewhere. But is it elsewhere within the organization? Is it CEO? Is it Line managers, uh, who yeah. generally say call on you, who's, who's who's seeing this as a problem?
0: That's a really, really good question because it varies, honestly. So a, a lot of the times it's the chief diversity officer or yeah. those working within the diversity office or department. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes it, it's HR for sure. Yeah. But a lot of the times it's leaders themselves, right? Leaders yeah. who are either yeah. leading sales organizations or yeah. leading technology businesses or... I get actually a lot of of work in in tech um, or in IT or what have you within big corporations and the IT leaders within those corporations will say, we've got an issue here um, within our team. Because, I mean, if you just think about the type of mind that is typically most successful in a technological role, there is opportunity more often than not uh, within yeah. those types of of individuals, not to be biased, but it's certainly biased.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But there's oftentimes this this opportunity area to, really develop the, the soft skill around how to be inclusive and how to, to really be empathetic to the differences uh, and the experiences of others. Because oftentimes, we who are in technology think very linearly. Um, but inclusion is, is really, it's not linear at all. In fact, yeah. it is the exact yeah. opposite. So I get a lot of, of work in the tech space, honestly.
1: That's good. And I'm really happy to hear it's not just HR, you know, that it's not just a fail-safe HR tick box type thing, or or they're the only people seeing this and then trying to push it into an organization yeah. So that's very challenging. Mm-hmm. But to hear that leaders are saying, you know, Raven, we need some help here. We recognize that we've looked around and we see mm-hmm. we have diversity. We see, we, you know, but not every not not everything's, a, you know, inclusion is where we want to go as well, you know. yeah, um, And you talk a lot about, I think, no, the answer, but I'll ask anyway, because you talk a lot about the Gen Z cohort, those Gen Z folks. They're the folks born between uh, 1997 and 2012. Why why do you focus in on the Gen Z? Um... Yeah, you know, they are,
0: simply put, the future of (laughs) our society. They're the future of our workplace. They're the future of our communities. I mean, I think at every turn of of the generational you know majority if you will or mm-hmm. this this generation of young people we always just use the terms young people uh, at every turn of of that we are keenly focused on that generation because we know that they're going to come in and really desire and demand quite frankly something t- totally different and we saw mm-hmm. it with millennials i mean within my uh, remembrance in my years of, (laughs) of life. We definitely, I, I, the first time I remember it is when millennials, my generation was coming into the workplace. Every article you read was about millennials, every YouTube channel. If you just research or Google generations that you were going to come up with a hundred different videos about millennials, whether they were accurate or not. Right. And so that generation now, is Gen Z, they are massive in number. They are the largest living generation in the United States and I think globally as well. They are also the most diverse generation we've ever seen from a, in the US speaking in particular from a racial and ethnic standpoint. But also, I think globally from a gender standpoint, right, Um, gender identity within that generation, just Mm. the thinking around that is vastly different than perhaps it has been in the past. And so what they're growing up with in terms of just common language and the everyday diversity that they're used to, it is going to really, really put a demand on organizations to truly embrace that, to adopt that and to create equitable policies, practices, procedures, etc. to support that. And so that's why I talk a lot about Gen Z. They're about to be a quarter of the workforce in just five (laughs) or six years. And so if we're not yet ready for their infiltration, then we have to get ready. And a big part of that is around diversity, equity, and inclusion.
1: I love that. If we're not ready, we have to get ready. That's that's so true, because they do think different. Now, again, not to pick on any cohort. It's not to say these are negatives. These are positives. Yeah. We think different. They act different. They come from a different space, more so than the generations before them. And we do want to use them in organizations, but we've got to plug them in to the organization. We've got to extract from them the good stuff. But they also have to fit in to with the other generations but it's never yeah. the same when you're younger you tend not to think that way as well. <laughs> when you're older you've been there you've seen it all you go okay what's today's change okay we'll make that happen or we'll do that happen
0: yeah and you're a little more adaptive
1: yeah but then we look at these young folks and call them upstarts and things like that you mm-hmm. know so it's it is it's it's like a big soup with yeah. everything melting, or a big melting pot, with everything melting in, and we have another cohort to put in here, and yet they have totally different experiences from the world that they live in and they were born into and what they yeah. see. But yeah. certainly, we need to blend that with the experiences of everybody else, yeah. and I think that's what you know what gets a um, super organization. Yeah. Are you and talking about point to... point... Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. To your point, the work that I do, I work a lot with leaders and, and organizations in preparation for the diversity of the yeah. future and Gen Z. But I also work a lot with Gen Z on how to adapt to this structure and the system yeah. that they're about yeah. to walk into that they're so frustrated with. And so it, it has to happen on both sides. Yes, yeah. I've got to you know prepare and get ready these organizations that need to figure out how they adopt these new ways of thinking that Gen Z is going to usher in but at the same time I've got we also have to be realistic and we also have to have these really really important and critical professional development conversations and workshops with Gen Z to really help them understand how to navigate these spaces to understand how and why the change that you're asking for may not actually come about mm-hmm. or it may not mm-hmm. be in your lifetime right and so that's why I also founded The center. It has to happen on both sides.
1: That's right, because the world they're coming from, never in history before, is, is less restraint than the past. Yeah. They've more control, they've more freedoms than people have ever had mm-hmm. and experienced. And then, as you said, you put them into this corporate structure yeah. where it's not, it's not the same. And, yeah, frustration can be very quick and very ripe. So that's an interesting point that... they they also have to be educated or educate themselves Mm -hmm. and to come into the system. Not say, but I imagine that the system, we see changes in the system now, like the nine to five will is going away. Mm -hmm. Uh, COVID has kind of accelerated that with remote working and allowing the systems to be more flexible, which is good for this cohort. Yeah. So there'll be a good change there. And what else do millennials and Gen Z want from companies? Is it just them? you know, I work whenever I want, as it flip-flops on a Friday kind of thing? <laughs> what do you really want in your yeah.
0: I'm glad you asked that because I think that there is a, a misunderstanding around what these yeah. generations want. We, we think it's the, you know, ping pong tables and yeah, the beer yeah. on tap and, you know, the flexible attire, all of those things. And yeah. while that may be, value adding to some, I would argue to very few millennials and Gen Zers. What I see that I'll I'll kind of talk about them separately, although there are some commonalities between the two, but when it comes to millennials, Mm -hmm. what I see that many millennials want and have wanted first is meaning and purpose in their work. Right. We often think that, you know, if if I put the ping pong table in, I'll be able to retain them. Even if I want them to Mm -hmm. work a, a meaningless role and to work all types of the night. That's just not it's not going to happen. So work-life balance is another one, right? These are the meaningful things that I think millennials are looking for and what they're willing to leave your organization in pursuit of. Yeah. And so, you know, millennials got the bad rap of being company hoppers and being disloyal to, to one organization and having 10... 10 companies on their resume before they've reached five years in career. And so <laughs> they developed this bad reputation of that. But I think what, what that was, it really was a difference in priorities of values. Yeah. And so while baby boomers really saw loyalty to company as, as noteworthy and notable, yeah. yeah. millennials are more loyal to themselves. Right. And so, yeah. and they're, their desire for meaning and purpose in their work. And so yes. I'm gonna pursue that versus being loyal to an organization. And so it looks like I'm disloyal, but I really am just loyal to my life and, and what yes. I desire to bring into the world. So. I would say meaning and purpose and also work-life balance for millennials, career progression as well is, yeah. is, a, is a strong value. Um, and then with Gen Z, those things are also true for, for all three of them are true for Gen Z. But in addition to that, I would add financial security is yeah. something that we see as a desire for Gen Z that we didn't see as early for millennials. Millennials were all about kind of experiences over things, right? We wanted to, you know, we'll pay the $50 for the gold burger. And, you know, we'll, (laughs) we just want to take the vacation to Bali and we want the experience. However, what we see with Gen Z is, is kind of while those things are cool, they saw their parents go through this great recession, at least here in the U.S. They've seen a lot. And so they are very financially aware and more financially literate early on in their lives than we have seen in past generations. And so uh, the last mm-hmm. thing I'll add for Gen Z is just follow through, right? I yeah. talk a lot about how organizations, the promises, the good statements, the creeds, the missions, and the values, but those that aren't lived out in the organization, Gen Z is that generation that's going to challenge you against that. Yeah. It's going to call you out against that. And they're going to leave if if we if they don't see follow through on the things that, that we say are important to us and the things that we say we're going to do. And if you Mm -hmm. think about it, it, they've experienced a lot that's kind of led them to distrust structures, power structures in particular. Uh, And so I think that's, what's led to this, this kind of demand for follow through before I can trust you as a leader. And certainly as a organization that I'm going to spend decades with, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's that's so insightful. By the way, I've never had a fifty dollar gold burger. Hey, uh, we go and check out what one of those things is. I don't think I could spend fifty dollars on any burger whatsoever. But um, it's so interesting, as you said, with financial security based on we've come out of the global financial crash, and also, um, I think um, I think when you mentioned loyalty as well for either cohort. What we've seen over the last 20, 30 years with organizations is a lack of loyalty to the employees, mm. you know, that they can treat them as expendable. The, the financial yeah. crash showed that how many layoffs happened just straight away, rather mm. than we'll try and keep people and there's careers. The whole thing of a 40-year career is over as well. Yeah. So that's where their thinking is is come from, where the baby boomers, Gen, Gen you know, the the other generations... Um, have a different view a different world to come from where they Mm -hmm. look at stability yeah Um, and now we've gone into full circle into financial security but with a view of not having a 40 year career in one company as you said Mm -hmm. we're having 10 uh um 10 areas that you've worked in uh, on a cv for five years that is the new type of career i think you're showing flexibility you know and It'll suit some organizations, it won't suit others, but we're in this again melting pot where that's reality. Yeah. And the world has changed the way from well, if you want loyalty from your staff, you must give loyalty back. Um, that's right, I think, I think we, we've lost a bit of that in the world. And the other thing, I guess, is um, you know, with, with these two generations looking at the world going, is this the best that they've come up with?
0: That's right, that is exactly yeah. right. Mm-hmm.
1: There's better ways to do this. There's yeah. better ways to work. There's better ways to make profit. There's better ways to do things, and there's better ways for me to live my life without having to work my life. You know that kind of thing. So that's
0: uh, right. That's exactly right. You're spot on. And and they're gonna vocalize that. Uh, yeah um, so, which yeah. is just different from past generations right i talk about how baby boomers grew up in a time where you know children were seen and not heard and you you just oh, had yeah. a certain degree of respect for authority and hierarchy and you know and yeah. so when you translate that into the workplace baby boomers at the age of 22 are trying to have conversations with the CEO and provide feedback and layers of accountability throughout <laughs> the lower ends of the organization. But yeah. this generation just is. They grew up very vocally empowered as yeah. children. And so they're used to having a say so. And they've, they've been emboldened to to have difficult conversations and not afraid to give feedback in that regard. But let me ask you a question, Mark, those those things that I just kind of rattled off around millennials and Gen Z, yeah. do you see similar characteristics in those generations in Ireland as well?
1: Yeah, being put on the spot, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I, I, I do, as you're going through them in my head, I'm going, yes, 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 yes. And, and yes, the difference, I wasn't sure about the difference, but when you said about Gen Z and financial, yeah, linking it back to we've gone through that financial crash globally hit and I was looking at that, drawing it into the workspace and probably saying, okay, I need to be protected against that, but I'm carrying the millennial mindset because I was influenced by that more than any other generation. Wow. And um, this is how I see how we're going to work and how we're going to try and uh, fit into it's about fitting into to 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 space work whatever and yeah. um, life yeah I do relate to those what you've said mm-hmm. and I think it does help maybe it helps our listeners as well um, because that's where they're coming from yeah well. it's not disobedience it's not um, I'm trying to take your job it's not um, as you said I want to be talking to the CEO on a power trip thing it's I want meaning and purpose, mm-hmm. and this is how I go about it, and these are the traits that are so important to me yeah. uh, for that cohort. And I think that's why your work is so fundamental in helping us all in the workplace remember this because work is too busy these days. We don't have slack. We don't have free time. Mm-hmm. We don't have time to think about these things. We just have time to react. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all these different things coming in, as I said, a workplace now, any workplace with more than two generations is a melting pot, but it can be so positive if we can understand it and work with it. That's or right. it can be absolutely nightmarish, possibly, for everybody if we don't. Yes, absolutely. We need, David, we need more of you. Can <laughs> I asked, though, with, with all these differences, um, how do we teach and lead the Gen Z cohort today, do, do organizations now have to adapt how they actually teach and lead? Mm-hmm. Do they, if, even from the sake of just teaching, training, and education. So we're, we're, we do a lot in the education space. But do the traditional ways work anymore? Or does online work? Is that better? Is group-based learning better? Is individual learning better? Or do we just have to re-examine the learning because these think differently and absorb differently.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's a really good question, and I think it, it's kind of all of the above in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we have to do is is ultimately reassess how we provide education to just people, right? I mean, I think yeah. I think about here yeah. in the U.S., we've had this antiquated way of of educating for centuries, yeah. and and it's just this download of information there's this instructor in front of the classroom and then there are groups of students right and there's yeah. just this 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 conversation that, that's one-sided oftentimes yeah. <laughs> until you get to the collegiate level. And so I think you know it's just time that we rethink how we educate people and and certainly these next generations that we see Gen Z and also gen Alpha, which is the following generation after yeah. gen Z, yeah. The, if you think about what they're experiencing on a day to day basis versus what perhaps even you and I experience in our parents and our parents' parents, we should be changing the way that we reach them if if everything is now being kind of pushed to them, if you will, via technology. But the issue is you also have to consider, <clears throat> you know, for lack of better words, attention span. And how yeah. that is is going to impact even online learning, and so you've got to have this balance. I always try to you know, admonish folks to consider. It's like how do you find a balance between online learning, also kinesthetic hands-on experiences, also uh, between you know video and audio, and, and yeah, balancing yeah. that. So you're gonna need this variety of of. Avenues mm-hmm. and modalities to, to reach and truly create points of awareness. I like to say it this way about Gen Z, they really prefer to be to construct versus be instructed. So they prefer mm-hmm. to be a part of the learning experience. And so you also want to infuse points of engagement and interaction mm-hmm. and and the ability to contribute to the learning environment, as well as the learning itself, because they're very, very smart, very, very smart. And so how do you create a learning environment that is co-constructed versus just this instruction consistently? Are the questions that I would encourage educators and, and those developing systems for
1: education to think about? We've got to get you on the university tour and uh, educate them <laughs> there. I love that. Did you say, I'm around saying they prefer to construct rather than instruct? Yeah, that's oh, right. I love that. That just touched something with me there because it just made, uh, yeah, that. I I, th- I think around something with that. They, they want to contribute to the learning, not just have it one way. Yeah. Um, and that's not just hands-on, but that is a two-way thing. And I, I do think we do need to change education to go that way uh, when you do it sooner than later. Even COVID yeah. has shown us that just moving your lecture online, having somebody lecture you for an hour or two online just in a single broadcast uh, is, is mind-numbing. Yeah. You've got to do it differently. You can still do a two-hour session with people, but get them engaged, get them to construct rather than you instruct. Oh, I yeah. like that. You have yeah. to think about that. And there variety then as well in the learning space. As you said, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, we learned differently. In the 90s, some changes. Then online came. But the variety, we now have a lot of options for it that we didn't have in the past. Yeah. And again, they are different minds. And I love what you said there as well about educating people so we didn't go around educating gen x or y or whatever it was just educating people because it's you know for all people at the end of the day and i think these are labels we just put on to understand mm-hmm. maybe how the minds change a little bit exactly you know, we're also at the time speaking of labels now we've got generation x we've got the baby boomers and those are the folks that were born between say 1955 and 80. All in the organization, as well as these other generations. But are they starting to feel more excluded? The more we get into digital, digital organization, digital technologies, and digital natives—people coming in—I was born in digital. And all these <laughs> other folks here weren't and um, having to be pulled into this digital age. You yeah. know, are they getting excluded? Are their careers in decline? Do they feel they've less to give? Are they under pressure?
0: Yeah. That's a loaded question for sure. But I mean, I think if you look at the generational diversity and the age mix in technology companies, it skews far younger, right? Um, And so are they being excluded? I think so. I think so. And, you know, in many co- countries, that's illegal. And so we need to think about that for many <laughs> yeah. other reasons. But I will say that, just from a self reflective standpoint for a baby boomer or a Gen Xer, I think that, yeah, some baby boomers certainly are um, feeling this sense of exclusion, feeling like this is. Mm-hmm. This has outgrown me now, feeling like yeah. this is beyond me. It, it's too much for me to catch up and to now learn. I just yeah. need to simply call it quits, retire, do something different. Yeah. So I, I do see a ton of that. And and also, you know, we see here in the U.S. that 10,000 baby boomers a day are retiring. So baby boomers have just reached that retirement age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of natural. I will say for Gen X, though, Gen X is actually very tech savvy and tech yes. inquisitive. I don't think they get a, enough credit for their ability to navigate technology having not grown up with it at all. Um, you know, and so I think Gen X is is one of those generations that has not only figured out technology and has figured out how to adapt. They're a very small generation too. And so I think a lot of Gen Xers feel like we don't have a choice but to adapt. We're still between these two massive generations we're often forgotten about. So we have to, you know, make our own way and be successful. So not only have they figured out how to navigate technology, but they figured out how to create technology. A lot of you yeah. know, the technology we use today was created by Gen Xers. And so they're also at that that age if you will stage in their career where they're leading organizations at this point yes. they are the ceos and the c-suite and the svps etc yeah. so i don't think gen x is is behind by any means when it comes to technology like, you know, all of my gen x cousins are all over facebook and they try to find their way to tiktok and then they find <laughs> their way you know? so they're very very open honestly yeah. to, to technology yeah. which i love
1: and that's interesting. Well, they might find a way to TikTok. They just might l- not look cool on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's a different thing. And I guess the Gen X, I mean, in, in those that, that age from um, you're going back to the 70s um, there uh, and, and a little bit into the 80s, um, they, they as you said, they created the technologies. They were given things and go make that work. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, I think the new generations are creating software. That's right. The technologies are there. So again, yeah, it's, it is that, that creative mind, which might actually get them through this uh, this change. Yeah. yeah Ray, we also talk a lot about diversity. That's hugely important. Now, uh, diversity in everything, in markets, organizations, talents, yeah, peoples, ideas. Mm-hmm. And you talk about racial equity and I guess um, how, how important you know that is as well. So I have heard you talk about where generational diversity and racial equity intersects. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, it was very yeah. interesting.
0: To me, it really is about the future of work at the end of the day. Yeah. When I mean, you think about generational diversity, we're oftentimes thinking about the future of our, our organizations, the youngest yeah. generation coming in, so Gen Z. And then within the racial equity component, I think about the intersection of Gen Z and, and race. I mean, as I mentioned, they are the most racially and ethnically diverse generation that we've ever seen. And yeah. so they are the future. And so by innate you know, virtue, the future is diverse and it's only gonna get more and more diverse. Gen alpha yeah. is even more diverse. And so to me, the intersection of generational diversity And racial equity is to really examine the future of diversity and to truly do the work to create equitable organizations so that when that diversity arrives we actually have inclusive cultures and we actually have equitable and and sustainably equitable policies and practices, et cetera. So to me, that's a that's that intersection. You can't talk about racial equity, I don't think, without talking about generations and generational diversity. Yes. Yeah. I don't think you can talk about generations without talking about equity at this point for that
1: reason. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask you about that, because I have heard you talk about that. and I think it's so important that we plan for it now. And as you said, we've never been as diverse as today, mm-hmm. and we're only going to get more diverse. That's so right. Let's, um, Let's get inclusive about it. Let's get inclusive about it. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see when the gen alphas generate. I know. Comes out. <laughs> I just can't, I can't wait to see. Yeah, I I'm, I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> if, if we continue on this trend that I see and all of these trends, I just don't know that we're ready. I cannot imagine. I mean, I have a, I have a niece who is two years old. She's about to be yeah. two, And, the way that technology is just the norm for her is just, it's baffling, it's baffling. I mean, when she was younger than one, she's swiping on cell phones. And when we try to manage her intake of of technology and screen time and all of those things, but how possible and probable is that? And I I just don't know what, what the future holds. For that
1: generation, you can almost see a change in it when you look at them because they become more digital literate very early on. They've no problem using the technologies in this, but their attention span diminishes Mm -hmm. significantly over, you know, with with the new cohorts that we see. So it'll be interesting to see how we deal with that. But as your attention span diminishes, then as well, um, I guess stress may rise a little bit too because you're always you're in an always-on world. Always connected, yeah. where our baby boomer friends weren't. <laughs> I'd mm-hmm. like to live yeah. that way. They can turn it off. Yeah, they can turn it off. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to go back to Gen- to Gen Z. Uh, I wanted to ask you this question, the title of your book. Uh, So tell us, why should Gen Z be leading their parents as you titled your book? (laughs) What's that all about? Why should they be telling us what to do?
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know that they should, but uh, the reality is that they are, right? And that they will be, whether we like it or not. They are going to be in these leadership positions similar to the millennials, uh, right? As I mentioned with my career. Coming out of college, I was 21, 22 years old, leading teams of folks in their 60s and 50s. And I'm sure that they didn't like that too much, uh, at least to begin with. But the reality is, there was an organizational Value here. There was an objective from the organization and a rationale as to why they needed to do that, and are going to continue to lean into bringing yes. in, you know, this early talent, inserting them into managerial positions so that they can, you know, succession plan, which is the smart thing to do. Yes. That's a part of it. I'm sure also it's cheaper, and there there are other business reasons why. I'm sure that makes sense. But um, nonetheless, the reality is it, it is a reality, and so that's why my job through that book is to really prepare that generation as to how to do that, how to do it respectfully, yes. how to do it, you know, with um with candor and truth, but also with maturity and you know, and to navigate it and to do it successfully at the end of the day. I saw a lot of my peers just not be successful in those types of roles and it really boiled down to soft skills. And so what yeah. I will say about Gen Z and what we see in the data is that they they are decently self-aware of these opportunity areas in, in the soft scale area. They know that they're tech dependent, right? They mm-hmm. know that that impacts their ability to sometimes verbally communicate with comfort and confidence. Right? So they mm-hmm. know this and they're, they're, I think, wanting organizations and institutions to help subsidize that with quality professional development opportunities. And so I will say that about them, and I think this book often helps them because they get it. They want to learn it. They just have not been taught by way of these institutions, and so that's why.
1: (laughs) As you said, no, we don't get taught this in institutions and universities in third level, but we don't get taught that, and it needs to change. I just had a – it came to me there, as you said, when you think about the baby boomers from, say, the 60s, if you're trying a book back then, I'm not saying you, but a book written back then would probably be titled Obey Your Parents. Mm-hmm. Now cool. we're in this world with the Gen Z and you're writing a book about lead your parents. Mm-hmm. And now, I, I prefer lead your parents to obey because the Obey system is just too, you know, too author- yeah. authoritarian there. But um, I, I just that's amazing. We've, we've done that in. In a couple of these generations uh, which i think is interesting you also talk about um six things you need to know to lead gen z what would be top of that list you know um yeah what would be top of that that you could tell our listeners uh, to, to think about
0: yeah yeah so i think you're referencing a, an article that i recently wrote and so yeah it, it can be found on my website too because obviously we can't go through all six of them but yeah. I think it's really, really, if I'm a leader and I'm trying to prepare my organization for this next generation, I I, these are the top six things I was thinking about. I I would admonish folks to think about. So the first one is really about being open and honest. So honest, open and transparent, being prepared to, to be that way. I mentioned earlier that they're looking for follow through. They've got this yeah. distrust of power structures and system yeah. for a reason, right? Um, for many reasons. If you think about it, they log onto their phones, they log into Instagram or TikTok, they're inundated with advertisements. And they it's hard sometimes to decipher between what is actually real and what is not, what is yeah. actually valid and what's coming at me because they want me to buy something and, and so forth and so on. And so with that, you've gotta be extremely open and honest and transparent with them in order to really build trust and to deposit into that emotional bank account with them so that they actually trust you. So that's the number one thing. And maybe the second one is really being prepared to provide a lot of feedback. Uh, If you think millennials needed a lot of feedback, this generation
1: <laughs> oh dear. So, so wow. folks aren't going to do too well with that, but you're right, we do need feedback. And the way the generation has grown up, they, they get feedback all the time now mm-hmm. from everything that they go around that they interact with. Mm-hmm. So it should be no different than work. But how many management structures do we have that have that you know yearly feedback system, mm-hmm. once a year, link your pay, and all this, and, and that's it done. Yeah. A manager goes off and manages things that they think are important. Mm -hmm. I think your people are important. That's right. Because if you don't get the people right, you don't get the product right. You don't get the customer service right. You don't get other things right. And the people are changing. So feedback will be be so important. Mm -hmm. Now, Raven, as you mentioned there's stuff on your website. Tell us a little bit more about uh, where people can find out about your work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So my website is www.ravensolomon.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn, constantly contributing thoughts and, and pieces there. I've got a newsletter on LinkedIn. So I certainly I encourage folks to check that out. Also, uh, my podcast. I mean, I think if you're looking to learn more about Gen Z, we did an entire series this year about Gen Z, talking to Gen Zers of all different backgrounds, talking to parents of Gen Zers and managers. So I would strongly encourage folks to check out the Generational View podcast as well.
1: Great. And we'll recommend that because we've had a look at some of them too, and they're fantastic. They're really good. And as you said, you've gone right to the source, you've Thank asked them. Then you that ask the parents because you're telling them to lead their parents, so we yeah. can <laughs> listen into that. Listen, Raven. We'll finish up, with a final question for you now: What's the first thing that you recommend listeners should think about in order to develop an effective multi-generational leadership? You know, for millennials and Gen Z again. What's that first thing you'd leave you? leave us with? Hmm.
0: I think listen.
1: Listen. Yeah.
0: Listen. Yeah. Go sit ask and listen to them. And I promise you what they have to share is going to challenge you personally. It's going to challenge you as a leader. And it's also going to inspire major change within your organization. But too often we're doing the one, we're the ones doing the talking, but not doing enough listening. So if I'm a leader, I would, I would first just listen, set aside some time and listen.
1: Listen, absorb and lead. That's Uh, right. Take the feedback and lead. Be a leader, but be a new leader in this new world. Uh, and lead differently. I think that's fantastic to finish on. Raven Solomon, thank you so much for joining us today on CCC Talks. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining this episode of CCC Talks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and walk away with a ton of actionable insights. If this is your first time joining us, this is us extending a personal invitation to you to join other IT and business professionals. So please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or Google Play. If you are struggling in any capacity in your digital transformation journey, contact us. We'd be more than happy to guide you and find you the right certification courses to help you manage the challenges modern businesses are facing. This was CCC Talks. Until next time.